What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode number 114 of Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries for Thursday, October 25th, 2018. I hope your uh, Halloween is going good for you so far. I don't know how... And what, I guess your southern accent came came through Yeah, there. I don't know what that... I don't... You know, there's like a fucking history of this... Of the intro to this podcast. Just not having smooth... Takeoffs. <laughs> it, it's you know, it's like it's it's a it's a bumpy ride. There's there's turbulence. It's like anytime I try to go off the script of my brain of like how I'm supposed to intro it, it, it I always do something weird. I always do some random accent or something like that. I haven't figured <laughs> out the formula quite yet. Um, but no, I was saying like Halloween. People say October is uh, you know it's like Halloween and all, but Halloween's just one day. At the end of October, but no, October is is the whole month of of Halloween stuff and horror. And l- unless you work at Michael's, when most of your Halloween stock is already on clearance before Halloween. <laughs> wow, that's uh, that's not very smart. <laughs> You're like, you know, you that's that's when you make the money. Everyone's like, oh, we want we need we need Halloween shit. Let's go out and it, get it's, it. It's 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 a corporate thing. Well, how you doing, Mike? I'm doing good. Uh, other than the fact that I'm having to wear my old glasses because I went to adjust my new ones and the nose pad broke off. So now I have to deal with these old glasses that kind of make my eyes a little bit more tired than normal. Ha! You fucking to- nerd! <laughs> Sorry, I don't know what where that came from. That was like my inner bully just came out. So I <laughs> apologize for that. And uh, other than that, I'm doing all right. Oh, and I also got my first customer who chewed me out before I, uh, you know, 10 or 20 minutes before I clocked off. Oh, yes. Do tell. So this lady, first off, I picked up immediately. She was in a bad mood. And honestly, I should have planned things ahead better. But it was near the end of my shift and I was getting a little bit worn down and tired and hungry. So I was just one of those things where I was just like, whatever, I'll just deal with it. And then we'll go, well, it'll, you know, it'll pass and whatever, you know, because I really had not had any situation like this until now. Like I've been working there for at least three weeks and this is the first time that this kind of thing had happened. So she first shows up and she's like asking me, do you have any flames like halloween flames first off it was extremely vague that's something that i i see that is in common with these type of like crazy customer exchanges and where the customer goes off on you is they don't even necessarily know exactly what they're looking for either and or they're just giving you vague fucking hints halloween flames (laughs) I've never heard of Halloween flames. And she was acting like it was something that like it would totally be a Halloween thing. And I'm going along with it. And I'm like, I don't think we have anything exactly like that, but I can guide you to the felt section and, you know, you maybe make your own. And so I guide her to the felt section and show her that. And she's like, do you have any templates? And I was like, no, no. 
I don't believe that we do. <laughs> and I said, have a nice day. And then I turned around and I went on, went to go do my other stuff. And then she gets back at me and then glares at me and then says, can I speak to your manager? Oh, God. Yeah, that kind of thing. And what she proceeds to do is, and even at that moment, I'm like, hey, well, you know, yeah, that's, you know, I can get a hold of my manager and we can see if we can uh, find another alternative for you or, or see if there's like extra stuff that we could, you could maybe use for this type of thing. No, can I speak to your manager, please? You know, that kind of, what's your name? Oh, God. Bitch. And so what she does is I, I you know, get the manager and I am up there. She walks up to, because I, I decided, okay, I'm going to go up there and maybe try to help out people over up on the till. And I'm on the way up there. And then here she is. She's there, right there in front of everybody waiting in line from the front of the store and the cashiers. And she pretty much just blasts me to your manager or to that, you to to the manager while i was there oh while you were like in earshot no i was standing next to my manager oh okay because i let her know because she was on a till so i, I went it went to go get her and let her know that something you know that there's gonna be and i was like someone's probably gonna write me up or whatever uh she's gonna come over um and so she does she comes up and then just makes a big deal about it. And she's just all like, you know, I, I have like 30 feet people and I need mean, just flames, Halloween flames, you know. And so the, the manager, she talks to her and says, what are you looking for? And, and, and is nice and everything is saying that, you know, maybe we can figure something out. And she's like, no, you know, you, 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 you cost yourselves a sale. This man over here, you know. Mike here cost you a sale. Oh my god. And then god. just walks off. Get but actually before it was even worse. Like she does a reenactment of how I interacted with her, which was of course completely not at all what happened. Oh, let's what was so, her do you remember the reenactment please? Yes, I do. She was like he you know, I was I was talking, you know, and I was trying to find these Halloween flames and he got me the felt section and and I asked if there was templates and you know, sort of had Halloween flames, and he said no, and then guided me to the felt section, showed me that, and I said we hadn't they had any templates, and then he was like, "No, <laughs> have a good day," and then he turned his back on me. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's just like <laughs> she sounds like she she sounds like she needs a friend in life. Uh, 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 she needs a special friend. She she needs a a, a glass of wine and a a good book. First off, I didn't say it like that. I said, no, I don't believe. And, uh, right, and I'm just going to go, go out and say it. This chick no, sounds like, have a nice day. This, this lady sounds like she needs to get laid, okay? That, I'm just going to go out and say it. Like, <laughs> she really does. She sounds like she needs to get a good a good screw in. Because she, that, I mean, that, that level of uh, pettiness is, uh, there. you know, there, you, there's a lot of pain behind that. She's She hasn't felt... Well, the, I, I don't think it's just that. I think also, I personally believe, this is my theory, she was doing this last minute for her group or whatever. She had already tried different stores and had not much success at all. So she comes to Michael's. She's already in a bad mood. 
because she's already tried these other places and not had very much success. She thinks that this is going to be super easy to find fl- Halloween flames, which is uh, why I have no idea. You know what? I actually got a tattoo one time in this tattoo shop, and they had this phrase on the wall, and it was a genius phrase, and I, I to this day, it's like a credo that I live by, and the phrase said something like, um, poor planning on your part doesn't constitute an emergency on mine. <laughs> and I, I yeah. just love that phrase because it's so fucking true. And yeah. because so many people get into a situation where they plan something poorly and now all of a sudden it's my emergency. It's like, no, mm-hmm. bitch, I'm sorry. That that is not <laughs> how it works in in a civilized society. Yeah. Like you the thing is I don't get is like the lack of respect or appreciation for for your fellow, you know, human or, you know, understand that, you know, I'm just I'm just doing my job. And even even my even my manager was like, he's new here. Like she's like, he's he's new here. And, you know, she wasn't having any of it. Well, yeah, just they don't she care. Had to make a whole spectacle out of it. The only way you could have won that argument was to say like, well, well, my my mom just died yesterday. So, yeah, I got some yeah. shit on my mind. And so, but it's just one of those things that's like, I was in a no win scenario, but at the time when it happened, like I, I'm, I gotta be honest, I'm kind of a sensitive guy. So I hate it when people like, don't like me for whatever reason. So I was a bit bummed about it. Cause it was like the, and I, and I hadn't had that sort of interaction in a while. Yeah. So I didn't really have the, not, the, not in person uh, at least over the internet. Not, God not knows you have. <laughs> well in the internet, but that's different. Yeah, and I hadn't had that kind of reaction uh, from someone since like years ago when I was in Oklahoma City working at the movie theater. So it's one of those things where I just wasn't necessarily as prepared for it as before. But you know, my manager was like, "Hey, just look at it like a learning experience. It's just you know, don't don't let it bring you down too much. Like next time something like that happens, just you know, call one of us on the radio and and see you know we'll see if we can find any sort of alternatives or something." Because apparently they were like, well, they have their when they're already upset, they don't want to hear anything. Right. Like you can't you can't fix it. You can't try to which is crazy how how like and I was thinking on my feet. And also, I didn't call them because I was trying to trust myself and my knowledge of the store. I knew for sure we didn't have anything like that. And I thought that was what I was supposed to do is say, no, if we don't have it, we don't have it instead of calling you on the radio and then you telling me, no, we don't have it. Yeah, that's true. I mean, when those people are upset like that, yeah, there's nothing you can say besides like you, unless you top their their melodrama with your own melodrama. Like my dog Floofy just died in my arms today, you bitch. Yeah. Like I don't give a fuck <laughs> about your stupid flames. And then maybe at that point they'd be like, "Oh my god, I'm so sorry." I've actually turned shit around like that a, a time or two at CVS back when I worked at CVS as a cashier. There, there, yeah. there wasn't. It didn't happen many times. But there was a few times where I was able to turn. I was able to flip the script on an asshole, and it it, it, it was the most satisfying feeling ever. Because I like took their assholeness and I raised them one, and uh, they, they they didn't was really. Was it an honest thing? No, or it, did you make it? No, up? No, I don't think it was. I think it was made up, but <laughs> or it might have <laughs> been honest. I don't know. Um, 
Well, you could have been like, you know, I'm dealing with a lot of anxiety right now. Oh, they don't, they don't care about that. They'll be like, oh, yeah. well, maybe you shouldn't you shouldn't be working here, or, you know, something like that. But <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's yeah, man, dealing with people like that, it's it's the worst. And you know, honestly, to this lady, and I know this doesn't help because the situation's over and because she needed it in a pinch, but. It's shit like that, which is why Amazon is dominating the retail yeah. market right now. Because they she should have looked that up anyway. They, in Amazon, yeah, they probably have some goddamn Halloween flames on Amazon. There's probably a company on Amazon that specializes in Halloween flames. That's how much fucking selection there is on Amazon. That's why, like, Amazon is always the first place I check for weird shit like that. You know, I mean, moments over, mm -hmm. obviously, but, you know, yeah. and old people, too, they don't. But if it's like one of those things where she needs it the next day. Yeah, yeah. Amazon, yeah, can't help you there. Man, trying to find some shit like that. Shit. Good luck, man. Trying to find that locally like that. You, I don't know. Good luck trying to find that anyway, unless you make it yourself. <laughs> Which wouldn't be that fucking hard. It's like what? Yellow felt and red felt and you cut it to look like a fucking flame. I know. Like, I know. You don't necessarily need a template for that either. <laughs> she must. She sounds like she's wealthy and she's like used to people going, "Yes, oh, ma'am, no. I'll get on that right away, ma'am." No way. <laughs> oh, she was how she was dressed. Oh, no. okay. Well, then she's just a bitch. Okay. Well, this is a podcast about the show Unsolved Mysteries, and we usually talk about that. And I mean, I guess, I guess, right now we're talking about it too, because I mean, this segment technically was on Unsolved Mysteries. Um. They were on Unsolved Mysteries as two individual segments, the Zodiac Killer and the Unabomber. However, for the ultimate... They were combined. On the ultimate collection, they were combined uh, seamlessly. I never even saw where there was, like, an edit or anything. They just... Yeah. They were seamlessly stitched together for the ultimate box set. It was... I've never seen them separate before. I've only seen them combined. Well, no, you show you. Well, we did the Unabomber one. That, oh yeah, we did the Unabomber. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. So um. So yeah, the Unabomber segment. But yeah, they seamlessly edited, but they only edited in some of the uh, reenactments. So um, the Zodiac Killer though, I I was under the impression that Zodiac and Unabomber Zodiac had a separate episode too, which I don't think that ever happened. Oh, it was just Zodiac. They tacked on Zodiac to the Unabomber. Yeah, or they tacked the Unabomber onto Zodiac. So they tried to make this whole sort of thing where, well, the Zodiac Killer case is popular right now, best-selling books, the Unabomber just got captured, let's try to throw in some connection or something True. here yeah. to the Zodiac. That's the kind of stuff Unsolved Mysteries had to resort to towards the end. Yeah, that's kind of stuff they normally don't do, because it's not technically really an unsolved mystery. It's just more of speculation, and normally they didn't really do that. Yeah. Well, usually, too, they didn't need to, you know, rely on, well, this has got heat on it, so let's do something, an episode about it. But like, Well, they did one the Bible Code. <laughs> well, that, and yeah, and that was a later season episode too uh, that's what they had to start resorting to and when the dennis farina episodes came back they really did that because they did the uh the segment on jesse james hollywood on the farina episodes and i pointed this uh -huh. out in my video i made um and and they and of course they had to mention and they had farina narrate on there um th this case was um 
recently adapted into the movie Alpha Dog starring Justin Timberlake. And they like had that. Oh, I forgot that was the movie that was based on that. Oh, yeah. I forgot. Yeah. That. And they like had that text sprawl on the screen as they're like going over the segment. I'm like, oh, my God. Are you fucking serious? Are you really <laughs> throwing Justin ramen noodle head Timberlake into this shit? Because you're trying to like appear a more like more relevant to the youngsters or some shit. I mean, I to be, be to be fair at the time he had his short, you know, just super short, you know. Mike, hair. Mike, do you have to fucking step on the joke for for a hundred percent accuracy? Are there that <laughs> many Timberlake kinda... fans out there who are gonna be like, um, well, actually, chronologically, he had his uh, short. I, I did that cut. on purpose just to get this reaction. Oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, now so Mike's <laughs> learning how to push my buttons. That's actually a good that's good radio host shit there, Mike. Good for you. I'm glad you did that. <laughs> I I I know when to to uh, get under your skin sometimes too and elicit a reaction. So that's good that yep. we're manipulating mm-hmm. each other, you know, in these kind of ways. All for the sake of entertainment to people who we don't know. It's kind of sick when you think about this whole thing that we do. Just manipulating each other every podcast. Yes. For the entertainment of the masses. Yes, exactly. All leading to the ultimate sexual manipulation on my end. <laughs> that got re- weird. Um, yeah. So we're talking about Zodiac Killer. He gets his whole this whole episode all to him. So Zodiac, bring your fat ass in here and get comfortable because uh, <laughs> you got this whole episode to yourself. Yeah. So uh, the segment on Unsolved Mysteries, it's not. Trying to get my cat to, hey, get away from there. No. <laughs> How's Olympus doing? He's doing fine, other than trying to get in places he shouldn't. But anyway, um, the segment. There's not much to say about the unsolved mystery segment. I mean, other than like it's really loose connection with uh, the Unabomber, Ted Kaczynski, and Zodiac. Trying to be like, well, they were both mathematicians, or they were both into mathematics or something. Math. Math. And he was, uh, math. <laughs> oh, th- math is math. I thought you said math, like M-A-F. No, math. <laughs> or like Earth. Welcome to Earth. <laughs> um, but anyway... You you remember the segment, right? Because, yeah, they uh, even said in the seg the- they even said in the segment they they even had people on there saying that yeah you know Ted Kaczynski, uh you know the supposed you know uh, Zodiac killer and Unabomber, uh they're but they were saying how these these crimes happened in two different decades and they're saying how serial killers when they go when they get older they get into a mellowing out phase where they stop killing or don't kill as much and they just kind of mellow out and that it was highly unlikely that the zodiac killer from the 60s would have completely changed his mo into being this like anti-technology bomber exactly. in the 80s you know so they they were even saying in the unsolved mystery segment how it's uh, well, one guy was at least, you know, because they always try to have like the devil's advocate in any of these kind of speculatory. But there also was like no concrete evidence that Tis Kaczynski was the Zodiac. 
Yeah, it was all it was all like kind of circumstantial, you know, loosely based kind of. He was in the area at the time. And they raided his little cottage and they didn't find any zodiac memorabilia whatsoever. That which is like, yeah. you know, for some for a serial killer, you know, that that is something they like those trinkets. They, you know, he would have ha- you would have seen the outfit in in his shed. You would have seen something, yeah. you know. Was his handwriting similar? I don't remember that part. And uh, I, I don't remember that either. Um, I, I don't think it was. I don't think they did mention that. But it was just a lot of circumstantial stuff, which it's not really one of my favorite segments because it's like... I liked it. It's it's okay. But, I mean, when it comes to, like, the actual Zodiac case, I think they should have just focused on that and had, like, a 20, 30-minute segment. Because there are plenty of other theories about who the Zodiac could be, and that is an actual unsolved murder. So, and and a series of unsolved murders. So I I, I feel that they should have, if they were going to wait this long to do Zodiac, I mean, they did Son of Sam early on, and that was actually a guy who was caught. Zodiac, there wasn't even a suspect who who was caught or even convicted of anything. So it's one of the most infamous, notorious unsolved crimes, unsolved murders, and unsolved mysteries decides, oh, we're only going to cover it because of this really weak link with Ted Kaczynski. Yeah, I think the reason, the main reason why Zodiac was never really caught was because, A, it was the 60s and forensics weren't nearly as as, uh, robust as they are now as far as techniques. I also feel that the Zodiac Killer was highly intelligent. He was highly intelligent. And and also, another main thing, the killings were random. Essentially, we think. We think they're random. Now, they're... It's kind of like the Son of Sam. The Son of Sam was random, too. Now, there is some... There was some kind of speculation in the documentary that we saw. Um, It was called This is Zodiac Speaking. This is is the Zodiac Speaking. This is the Zodiac Speaking. It was a bonus feature on uh, the two-disc special edition DVD of Zodiac, fin- David Fincher's Zodiac, and uh, on the special edition Blu-ray. Yeah. It's a, it's a solid documentary. It's not great. It's okay. The issue the documentary has is that it's the bulk of it is just interviews with people involved with the case, which is which is nice to hear, but it's just not as entertaining or uh, engrossing as, as some other sort of approach could have been. I would love to see a Netflix multi-part documentary series on the Zodiac. Yeah, in that documentary, there was some speculation from the uh, first survivor, um, the the first attack that took place at the Lover's Lane off Lake Herman Road. Um, he was he was saying that the girl that he was basically making out with in the car at, and make out point, if you will. When Zodiac came up with his headlights pointed at the car, the girl was saying something to the extent of, oh, don't worry about him. He's just jealous. And uh, something I didn't know about until I watched that that uh, documentary is that um, that girl, the first victims of Zodiac, that girl was married and she was mm. and she was dating the guy who she was making out with in the back of the car when Zodiac came up and shot them both. And... Mm. Apparently, her husband knew about them dating and was okay with it, which is what the survivor said. The guy, I think his name was Brian. 
That's hmm. what Brian said. He said, yeah, you know, uh, I, uh, you know, she was married, but uh, he was, he was, he knew about it. And he was okay with it. And when, so when we were making out in the back seat of the car and the light and the car pulled up, the other car pulled up and pointed his headlights at us, uh, you know, she said, oh, don't worry about him. He's just jealous. Name, I think his name is Mike. Mike Maju, Mago or Majo. Um, Maybe you're thinking about a different. There was uh, two. They interview. They interview both male survivors because Zodiac killed. You know, because Mike survived, and maybe you're thinking about the one at the picnic. What one of them's name was Brian, or one's name was Mike, and the other's name was like Brian or something like oh, that. Okay. The first one is the one I'm referring to. Oh yeah, Brian Hartnell. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's the one where they were. Uh, that wasn't the first one though. That was not the first killing. Well, whatever the, the first whatever killing. the first killing was on the documentary that they talked about when oh, they were okay. at Lover's right. Lane off Lake Herman Road yeah. where they were okay. shot in the back of the car, that's what I'm referring to. Don't don't confuse well, this with semantics, Mike. Uh, it's not semantics because it's actually wrong. Brian is not the one that was there in the Lover's Lane. Do you think thing. these people that know was, uh, know or give a shit about Mike. I could have called him fucking Frankie and they wouldn't have I'm cared. pretty sure they do, because we'll probably get people who are really into the Zodiac, maybe listening Doubt and then it. if we sound like we don't know what the hell we're talking about mike, then... it, mike if these people want like solid facts and shit they'll listen to another <laughs> podcast they come here for the for the fucking hey, uh, no. the train wreck i'm trying to make things a little bit more legit here because of the fact mike, that, that ship has sailed a... that ship has sailed we, like we've, 100 we've already had our own fans say that we should do some more research that ship of factually being correct sailed hundreds of episodes ago no, I'm just fucking with you. We no, we do try to be accurate. We do, and we do try to have uh, research. I'm just, I'm just having a, just having a pull at Mike's leg right now. <laughs> Sounds sexually suggestive. Um, but yeah. So my whole point of saying all that was Zodiac might have known at least his first victims. Might, maybe, maybe. Uh, jealous husband. I first don't know. First victims, according to the documentary, but not actual first victim. Okay, whatever. First victims, according to the, the case that unsolved. The it, and even <laughs> even in the unsolved mysteries case, it was the first. It was the first killing. They first profiled in the segment the people in the back of the car making out, and and he shot them. Yeah. And then he the, they profiled the two people laying in the park. Those were the well, only. It could be. It could be the same, but it you, you're just getting the names mixed. Yes. Up. So Mike. Okay, so Mike was the first guy? Yes. Okay, fine. So, yeah, anyway, that's that's why Zodiac was never... I, that's why I feel like he was never really caught, because I've said it once on the podcast, but I'll reiterate it. If you want to get away with murder, the easiest way is to not know your victim and not have any motivation. You just... Literally a random killing. It's like that guy who would go around to the strip malls by that freeway and just shoot people. Yeah, that's the only. Yeah, that's the only way you can you can you know truly you know unless you're you know unless you have like mob ties and you're or you're fucking obvious. You're doing it, and there's like security cameras that see you and your face <laughs> shooting people. Then yeah. Well, that doesn't work either. Nowadays, <laughs> nowadays too, there's just, I don't know, man. There's so much, like, you'd have to, like, not have a smartphone or, like, I feel like uh, like any kind of computer in your house. Yeah. I think Zodiac also got away with it because of the fact that 
the the wanted uh, poster that has the sketch of of the alleged suspect is just an alleged suspect. It's not even really necessarily exactly what he legitimately looked like because most of the time he did hide his face. So, and there's also the 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 theory that maybe just like some of these other serial killers, like the Son of Sam murders or some of these other ones, that maybe he was just taking credit for some things, or there might have been copycats or something like that. So, the Zodiac Killer took credit for several murders in the San Francisco Bay Area in the late 1960s. He was never caught. The self-proclaimed Zodiac Killer was directly linked to at least five murders in Northern California in 1968 and 1969, and may have been responsible for more. He taunted police and made threats through letters sent to area newspapers from 1969 to 1974 before abruptly seizing communication. Despite intensive investigations, no one was ever arrested for the crimes, and the case remains open. The mystery surrounding the murders has been the subject of numerous books and movies, including director David Fincher's acclaimed 2007 film Zodiac, which I highly recommend if you haven't seen seen already i have surprisingly seen it i saw it a long long ass time ago me and my friend brian he would always come over to my house and we'd watch we'd have like we'd pick a movie Uh to watch and we we actually rented it from blockbuster that's how fucking old it's long but for me like it didn't seem like it was boring even though it was a long movie i think that was a problem that we had with it actually at the time i remember us being like god damn this is a long movie you should probably watch it again because I think you definitely might you might appreciate it even more now considering how detailed it is in terms of the recreations of of the killings and of all and the performances and the direction and even even use of uh, songs like the Hurdy Gurdy Man, which actually it works so well and it's creepy. The Hurdy Gurdy Man. Yeah, I don't know how that one goes. The hoody goody man. Da, 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 da. Yeah. Yeah, that didn't help at all. All right. <laughs> do a do a more accurate representation of the song right now. I, I can't do that right now. Right, I'd fine. have to listen to the song again. Um. Do you want Zodiac Killer letters, symbol, and cipher? Okay. On August first, nineteen sixty nine, the San Francisco Examiner, San Francisco Chronicle, and the Vallejo Times Herald received an identical handwritten letter in an envelope without a return address, beginning with this quote, Dear Editor, I am the killer of two teenagers last Christmas at Lake Herman. The letters contain details from the Zodiac Killer's murders that only the killer could have known. The killer went on to threaten further attacks if the letters weren't printed on the front page of the papers. Each letter closed with a symbol consisting of a circle with a cross through in it, through in it, in what would come to be known as the Zodiac Killer's symbol. The letters were also each accompanied by one part of a three-part cipher that claimed contained his identity. While Bay Area police departments, with the support of the FBI, worked feverishly to track down the killer, another letter soon arrived at the San Francisco Examiner, beginning, Dear Editor, this is the Zodiac speaking. It also described the murders in detail and taunted police for not having been able to crack his code or catch him. That's another thing that makes this case unique is that he's actively taunting the police during this entire affair. Sociopath. Several, yeah, totally. 
He's just getting so much glee in the fact that he's just getting away with it. Several days later, a high school teacher named Donald Harden and his wife Betty were able to solve the cipher. It said, I like killing people because it is so much fun. It is more fun than killing wild game in the forest because man is the most dangerous animal of all. Three days after the fourth known Zodiac killing, the 1969 murder of taxi driver Paul Stein, the San Francisco Chronicle received a letter claiming the crime. Written in the same erratic print as Zodiac's previous letters, it gave the details of Stein's murder and was accompanied by a bloody scrap of Stein's shirt. It gave the details of Stein's murder and was... And at the end of the letter, the killer mused that he would next shoot out the tire of a school bus and pick off the kitties as they come bouncing out. Wow. Yeah, uh, one thing I wanted to point out it, it, it when they talked about this uh, murder on the Unsolved Mysteries segment, uh, and I don't know why this always stuck out to me, but um, in the scene where the college kids were looking out the window to see that the cab driver was just kind of like laying dead in the yeah. cab... I noticed that like one of them was holding uh, an Iron Butterfly record of Inagata Devita. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was funny. The props department like put that in in the in that scene. Inagata Devita, baby. <laughs> Maybe that's where Eddie Better he, got his inspiration from. Yeah, he does kind of have that little bit of Yarl going on in his voice. <laughs> so. The uh, Zodiac threat of uh, shooting school children on the bus is actually what inspired, I believe, uh, Scorpio in, I believe that's his name, Scorpio Killer in uh, Dirty Harry. Uh, the the first Dirty Harry film with uh, Clint Eastwood, there was a serial killer who was heavily inspired by Zodiac. Nice. The Zodiac Killer continued his taunting correspondence with Bay Area Papers, in which he included more ciphers, claimed to have committed several more murders, and mocked the police for their inability to catch him. In 1974, the letter stopped, although the investigation has not. Now, I guess the History Channel uh, did something called The Hunt for the Zodiac Killer. It's a 2017 nonfiction TV series about investigators' hunt to decipher the Zodiac Killer's code. I, I will say about the Zodiac Killer, like, out of all the serial killers, like, he's probably, like, the coolest as far as his persona. Yeah. First of all, and let's just let's just pretend this didn't happen in real life and innocent people were killed. Let's just say this is some, like, comic book. First of all, you got a badass name for yourself. The Zodiac Killer. I mean, that is a great name. I mean, Zodiac is just a cool word in general. Mm -hmm. Second... You have an almost badass outfit, the executioner hood, and it's got this weird, like, square head to you know, the it. symbol? Well, no, it's got that square head top, yeah. you know, and then it's got that that uh, crosshair in white on the uh, uh -huh. on the chest. But It's like a vigilante. But then he ruins it by putting on those goofy-ass aviator glasses over the executioner mask, <laughs> like some kind of, like, almost... Weekend at Bernie's shit. Let's just put sunglasses on this thing, you know. On What's yeah, but it's probably because he can't see without them. <laughs> well, I think he needed to hide his eyes. He probably wanted to hide his eyes as well. And, you know, he he was probably like, well, these aviator glasses are dark. 
and you know yeah but it, it does kind of ruin the look but um the aviator glasses but it makes it even more unique though yeah that's true but i mean yeah so like out of all the serial killers we've covered, I think Zodiac, for aesthetically, is is the coolest. And then he sends these cryptic ass letters. I mean, dude, this is like a real life villain. I think he's yeah yeah he's a real life supervillain. Yeah, like like I definitely do feel like Zodiac is. There's a reason why it's such a captivating and compelling case even to this day. Uh, the only other case I can think of that's that's has so much uh, intrigue uh, is the pursuit of DB Cooper. Yeah, but the, but because that's just because that the circumstances were just so well, yeah. extraordinary. Yeah, I mean, that's the shit that sticks with people is after the people, you know, because we don't know these people who got murdered. They're just a name on a piece of paper. You know, I'm not trying to be, uh, you know, macabre or whatever you want to call it, but um, insensitive. When, when you actually you're already insensitive, you've already like well. I will say though, when you when you watch the documentary about this, you really do feel for the victims a lot more because yes. they go into gruesome detail about mm -hmm. what you know what happened, and you just really feel so bad. And even these these like hardened detectives, these retired yeah. detectives, you know, they're speaking about an incident that happened. Well, now like fucking sixty years ago almost and like at the time the interview took place in two thousand seven. So at that time it was like fifty years ago. But the even then they're getting like kind of choked up some of these like these hardened detectives, yeah. you know, talking about this these women who were, you know, stabbed and the man who was like bleeding out and they you know, these were like nineteen mm -hmm. and twenty year olds. It's not like these people had like lived their lives, you know, they had just started out. So that does definitely like put a face and a personal you know thing to it it adds gravity yeah adds weight yeah and, and more empathy but with all that to, being to said their... i still think zodiac is like the coolest aesthetically you know killer out there you know because i would say when it comes to the serial killer it's definitely the one that is the most interesting in terms of like how he went about doing what he did with the letters and the ciphers and, and it has a whole puzzle aspect, which a lot of people like, you know, the Da Vinci code, the Bible code, what well, here's the Zodiac code, you know, also he hasn't been caught. That's the other thing too. Yeah. Well, and, he's and never been brand caught. marketing, just like DB Cooper. We don't know who DB Cooper really was. Yeah. Brand marketing is a very real thing. I mean, the fact that, that Hitler is still like this fucking, celebrity in a bad way you know he's one of these most notorious kind of celebrity dictators still brand marketing he came up with the swastika and the whole nazi imagery and that's very powerful in a bad way but it's very powerful to a lot of people people still write i still see swastikas well, on neo to be fair the swastika exists existed before hitler decided to use it oh yeah i know it's it was some asian or some kind of um it was, i think it was an indian i, th I think i thought it was indian i could no be i think though. it's i think it's asian because in japan i think asian. in the um certain gardens they have there they have yeah it dumbass and it was tourists it, will go through and be like why is the swastika on the thing in japan it's like no it's bad it's not it, it, it's the swastika is he turned a symbol of peace i think it was a, a symbol for peace or, or something like that and turned it into something that was a complete opposite. Yeah. Um, it's rather tragic, actually, because the symbol was initially not anything like that. It's, it, it comes from the, the Sanskrit swastika, which means good fortune or well-being. Yeah. Um, well-being, yeah. 
and and Hitler turned it around the opposite direction. Yeah, it was a symbol. Yeah, it is in India too, where it is a symbol of divinity and spirituality from Indian religions and East East Asian religions. <laughs> There's even an article on the BBC here that says how the world loved the swastika until Hitler stole it. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, so but I mean, you know, it's a strong brand. Oh my god, they have like it 20th century packaging. It shows uh Coca-Cola. It says drink Coca-Cola in bottles and it's a it's a swastika. Yeah, they, they messed up. It hap- that happens sometimes. <laughs> Ooh, that was a misstep. Like remember that that teapot that looked like Hitler? No, I don't. <laughs> yeah, there was actually <laughs> Join our group, our Facebook group. It's uh, go to Facebook and type in Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries. And uh, not our, our fan page, but our group. The group is a lot better. Um, it was it was a JCPenney billboard. And it, and it just... at it, it, Just the way that they presented it on a harsh white background did make it look like a teapot Hitler. Oh, okay. But yeah, anyway, got off on that tangent um, because, you know, Stalin and Mussolini were arguably, you know, from what, what everyone tells me, just as horrible as Hitler was. But, uh, I, you know, they didn't have that brand marketing. Although um, Mussolini, his headquarters is another interesting thing you should Google because it's literally got his big ass head on it in stone. Here, let me show you this, Mike. I don't know if you've ever seen this shit before. It is crazy looking. Um, it, look up Mussolini, uh, Benito Mussolini's headquarters. Um, I think I have seen it. Here, I'll send it to you right now. This pie will be some kind of an edit, I would imagine. It's it's crazy, dude. It's this building, and it's got his big ass head yeah. in stone, but it's not even like doesn't even like look all that good. No, it doesn't look human. It, no, it doesn't. It looks like some polygonal like PlayStation One game like head, and it's just got like this big ass banner that says C C C C. Like yeah. like uh, at, it, it looks like Italian for it yes. Looks like uh, Jor L. I remember from Superman the movie where his like hologram was talking to the Superman. Yeah, like, what a weird looking building, <laughs> and it just says yes, 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 yes. You know, in Italian, behind like behind <laughs> it, like good lord. I don't think it looks like that anymore. Well, yeah, obviously. So anyway, back to the Zodiac. <laughs> At present, four separate attacks have been definitively attributed to the Zodiac killer. The first confirmed incident took place on the night of December twentieth, nineteen sixty eight. When 17-year-old David Faraday and his 16-year-old girlfriend Betty Lou Jensen were shot near shot to death near their car at a remote spot on Lake Herman Road on the outskirts of Vallejo, California, police were baffled, unable to determine the motive for the crime or a suspect. Early in the morning of July 5th, July 5th, July 5th, 1969, Darlene Farron, age 22, and her boyfriend Mike McGough, age 19 were sitting in a parked car in a similarly remote Vallejo location when they were approached by a man with a flashlight. The figure fired multiple shots at them, killing Farron and seriously wounding Mago. Within an hour of the incident, a man called the Vallejo Police Department, giving them the location of the crime scene and claiming responsibility for both the attack and the 1968 murders of Faraday and Jensen. Despite evidence that included fingerprints, 
Magoe's description and decoded cipher, the decoded cipher and a wave of tips and leads, police were unable to track down the Zodiac Killer. On the evening of September 27, 1969, he struck again, approaching young couple Cecilia Shepard and Brian Hartnell as they relaxed on an isolated part of the shore of Lake Berryessa in Napa County. Wearing a hood and a shirt bearing a circle cross symbol, he tied them up before brutally stabbing them, scrolling a message for the police on their car door, and leaving the scene. He then called the Napa Police Department to claim responsibility. Shepard and Hartnell were both in critical condition but alive when emergency services arrived, but Shepard died of her wounds shortly thereafter. Two weeks later, on October 11, 1969, the Zodiac claimed another life, shooting 29-year-old taxi driver Paul Stein in San Francisco's Presidio Heights neighborhood. As the murder did not seem to fit the Zodiac's pattern, it was initially deemed a robbery until the San Francisco Chronicle received a letter claiming the crime. At least five other murders have been tentatively linked to the Zodiac Killer, including the 1963 shooting of Robert Domingos and Linda Edwards near the Santa Barbara, California, and the 1966 stabbing death of college student Sherry Joe Bates in Riverside, California. With descriptions from witnesses who had seen a man leaving the scene of Paul Stein's 1969 murder, police were able to create and circulate a composite sketch of the killer. But despite mounting evidence and the investigation of numerous suspects, the Zodiac remained at large. Let me interject here. Um, you're like fucking talking a mile a minute here. I gotta get. I gotta. I gotta stick my claim in here and comment. Um, so the great thing about that documentary that, that, uh, we watched was, um, you know, it's one thing to hear about that whole, like the, the two people laying down in the park and Zodiac approached them and, you know, you just get kind of these sterile, very clinical facts of the case. But when, when the survivor whose name is Brian, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. When he goes into it, man, like he is just, he, and first of all, I got a comment too. So the two sur- the two male survivors from these killings, the first one Mark and the second one Brian. Mike. Mike, whatever. They- I'm surprised you're having a hard time remembering that one. Well, you know. Since my name is Mike. I call it the cl- <laughs> I call it the Clonopin Haze. It's <laughs> taken <laughs> taken the taken not too many benzos, but just the right amount. It does haze your memory and ability to say things sometimes. Anyway, um, <laughs> So these people could not be too different or it could be like polar opposite as far as like, I would say, and see for the first victim, he did get shot through the face, but he still looked fine. Like when he was in it being interviewed, although you didn't get a close look, but he got shot through like the jaw and tongue and all that. And I don't know what this guy's dealio was before that or whatever, but he seemed very mentally kind of slow. He seemed very like, not all there um but then your second victim brian he was very articulate very intelligent very well spoken so when he starts communicating this whole experience of laying in this park with this woman and how the woman was talking about oh look at that man over there and you know brian was just like you know i i didn't I didn't think, you know, anything of it. You know, it's a park. It's not unusual to see someone like that and this, that, and the other. And then, you know, he starts getting closer and she keeps pointing out like, oh, he's behind that tree now. And he's talking about the layout of the park and how there's not really any bathroom. So 
a lot of times if you wanted to relieve yourself, you had to go behind a tree. So he thought yeah. again. And then she points out, oh, my God, he's got a gun. And he starts fast. And then look at what he's wearing. Yeah. And then he starts fast approaching. And the whole time, Brian is like completely like, well, you know, he's just about to rob us. And, you know, it's it's going to take, you know, five minutes at most. And then he'll be gone. And he's like very like calm about the whole thing. And even as he talks about it, like now on the interview or back in 2007, I should say, he's uh-huh. very like, you know, matter of fact, matter of fact, very like patient, very down to earth about the whole thing. Very like understanding of Zodiac almost like I understand, you know, what this guy wants and what I need to do to cooperate and get out of this situation alive. And he thought it was going to be just this kind of standard, if if there is such a thing, standard um, robbery. And then he was going to leave us alone. Then he had me, uh, her tie me up and then he tied her up. And, you know, mm-hmm. he asked me if I had any money. And I said, oh, well, unfortunately, all I have is 75 cents, which I mean, who's kidding who in 1968? That's like fucking $75 in today's money. But not, uh, not really. Not really. I'm, I'm, I'm exaggerating just slightly for comedic effect. And I got to ruin it. Um, but anyway, you know, he's like, I only have 75 cents and he's like, I'd be happy to help you out in any way I can. You know, I'm going to school for this, that, and the other, you know, uh, I can give you my phone number. And it sounded like this, this Brian guy was being like overly, um, uh, just, uh, like overly, uh, would you think maybe the time that he had, he spent trying to reason with this guy, he could have I don't, ran away possibly. Well, I mean, if they're laying, he probably would have gotten if, shot. In the yeah, back anyway, if they're laying so. down and he's walking up to them with a gun, you can't really, yeah. you know, you're kind of fucked, no. you know. Exactly. But yeah, he's trying to like reason with the guy, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, you're gonna give this, you know, if, if I'm Zodiac and the, I got this smooth talking, you know, college guy telling me, yeah, I'm actually going to uh, college to be this, you know, sociology major, and give me your phone number, I'd love to help you out. And it's like, okay, let me just give you my phone or give me your phone number and I'll call you later on. And I'm sure you won't call no. the cops that I just pulled a gun on you and made, you know, tied you up and shit. Yeah, yeah, no. But he was still trying to, you know, where are you from? What's, you know, what's going on? He's trying to kind of like, you know, reason with him. Zodiac just mm-hmm. wasn't having it. You know, Z- Zodiac mm-hmm. was answering his questions, but he was still like proceeding with his plans. And then yep. he's, uh, you know, he's like, Zo- like a typical sociopath. Yeah. Like he was probably just loving that moment. And Zodiac's like, lay on your stomach. And, you know, Brian's still thinking that this is some kind of casual holdup is like kind of arguing with him about it. And he's like, well, you know, because he was thinking he was going to be there until nighttime. And he was talking about how the ground gets cold at night. And Brian's like, do I have to lay on my stomach? I mean, I'm already tied up. And then Zodiac points a gun at and says, do it. So he so he rolls over onto his stomach and he asks Zodiac because he had heard that when killers or when or when uh, people hold people up, they do it with a unloaded gun. So in, in the in the event that they do get caught, it's a lesser offense because the gun wasn't even loaded. He goes, hey, you know, is that thing even loaded? And then Zodiac calmly pops the chamber out of the gun and shows him that it was fully loaded. 
and he just puts the gun back, you know, pops the chamber back into the gun. And the, and Brian's like, okay. And he says, you know, then I put my head down on the ground because I figured it was over and he was going to start walking away. And then I feel, then I feel the sharp pains in my back. And that's when Zodiac proceeded to start stabbing him in the back. And the girl he was with, she, uh-huh. she starts freaking out. She starts screaming. She starts yelling. Eventually, Zodiac finishes stabbing Brian, and then he goes over to the girl, and she is squirming and, yeah. you know, moving around and all this other kind of stuff. And um, he eventually... Fincher did it, an admirable job recreating that event in, in Zodiac, in his film Zodiac. Because it's it's just as harrowing to, you know, hear it from from, from uh, the, the man who survived, but... It, it's uh, there's a visual component there with the film that you don't get with with uh, the story. Yeah. So when the, when when Zodiac finally finishes, you know, Brian's playing dead. The girl is, I think, almost dead. She didn't have to play. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Brian's there for a few hours. It's it's nighttime now. He sees some boat passing by on on the lake. And he yells out to it, and he's yelling out to it and trying to get their attention and trying to coax them to go over there and help them that, that this is not a joke. And um, the boat guy just goes away. You know, he seems like he was going to help, and then he just goes away, and he goes, oh, we're, we're, we're finished. And he start, he's, mm-hmm. he's talking about how he feels the, the um, almost like when you go under anesthesia and you feel the blackness coming and you feel the unconsciousness coming and he's feeling and he's like well this is it you know this is this is the end but it never quite comes it only kind of sort of comes and then he's like Uh okay maybe i have maybe i have the strength maybe i can have maybe i have the energy to get out of this so he goes to stand up or i should say before he stands up the girl i'm not trying to you know demean her or anything i just totally forgot her name so i'm calling her the girl um she he feels something on his on his back and she summoned up enough strength to free her name is cecilia cecilia okay sorry sorry for all the i retroactively calling her the girl i now say her name is cecilia cecilia finally gets the strength from her state that she was in to untie his hands and he's then able to untie his legs and he tries he attempts to walk up this kind of hilly type area to the road and get help as soon as he gets up he then feels that you know, seeing stars in front of you, see it, feeling the weakness mm-hmm. of passing out. And he's like, okay, I can't, cannot do this as fast as I th- he's lost. He's lost a lot of yeah, blood from the stabbings. So he's like, I can't do this as fast as I, you know, thought I could. So he said, as long as I stay kind of crouched and walked with my hand over my chest, over the wound. And you got to think to yourself, man, this is insane. Like mm-hmm. you're walking with your hand over this wound in your chest and you gotta be thinking to yourself this can't be a good wound like a chest wound is not a good wound yeah a leg wound a hand wound that's one thing you can still bleed well i mean a leg wound can be really bad too especially if it's in a certain right uh, right but you know you're not gonna like you're gonna bleed out you're not gonna like like a chest there's so many things going on in there that like you need and you know So he finally makes it to the to the road and he see all he sees is this headlight and he's like, oh, God, he's come back. 
But then he sees like some official kind of badge or whatever. And so apparently the guy in the boat had called the ranger and the ranger had come um, with his people and um, they just they and then and then they interview like the ranger and his assistant and, and they talk about, you know, uh, they were able to get down to the to Cecilia and uh, question her while she still had some life remaining in her. And she was able to talk, you know, say her side of what happened. And she actually met, said something in the documentary about how she saw his face. But since it the ranger did not report that because, quote, he didn't think it was important, that is not on record. So it's not... It's not able to be used because it was never reported. Hmm. So that was one thing that I thought was interesting. So at some point, his face was visible, apparently. Um, Zodiac. Yeah. So I don't know about that. I don't. I don't know. That that was something that was mentioned in that documentary, though. Um, that ties into suspects because uh, that could have helped uh, determine who. The Zodiac was, or maybe cross off uh, one of the suspects or tie one of the suspects directly to the murders. Uh, the mystery surrounding the Zodiac case also continues to fascinate the public, and it has inspired more than its fair share of theories regarding the killer's identity. Ranging from plausible to crackpot, these include the claims that he was Unabomber Ted Kaczynski or convicted murderer Charles Manson, or that he eventually moved to Scotland and committed more murders there before finding happiness and giving up his wicked ways. That is one of the most outlandish ones. He moved to Scotland. <laughs> yeah, they always come up with shit like that for, you know. And Charles Manson. Really? <laughs> I don't buy that Charles Manson was that intelligent. No, Charles That's Manson more. would have been saying some hippy dippy shit while the guy while Brian <laughs> was questioning him in the park. Manson would have been like, "Man, it is what it is, and it was what it was, man." You know, like he wouldn't be all like, <laughs> "I have escaped from a prison. You will tie her hands up, and then you will be tied up, and blah blah blah." Like he would he would be all like, you know, "The blacks are taking over, man. Helter skelter, man. Listen to my shitty song before I kill you, man." <laughs> so here are some of the suspects the big one that most people uh, know of is Arthur Lay Allen true crime author and former San Francisco San Francisco Oof, man you had fun with that one Mike yeah yeah I did Fran for San Francisco <laughs> sound like a San Fran 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 San Francisco. <laughs> All right. True crime author and former San Francisco Chronicle cartoonist, Robert Graysmith wrote two separate works on the killer, 1986 Zodiac and 2002 Zodiac Unmasked, ultimately identifying a man named Arthur Lee Allen as the most likely suspect. Allen died in 1992, however, and was never conclusively connected to any of the murders. And Graysmith's approach and his ideas are, are incorporated into the film Zodiac. He's actually portrayed by Jake Gyllenhaal. So Earl Van Best Jr. is another suspect. 
In 2014, HarperCollins published The Most Dangerous Animal of All by Gary Stewart, in which he claims that his father, Earl Van Best Jr., who bears a strong resemblance to the man in the police sketch, was the Zodiac Killer. Louis Myers is another suspect for the killings. Another man came forward in 2014 to reveal that a friend named Louis Myers had confessed to being the killer before his death in 2002. Certain events in Myers' history matched up with those connected to the Zodiac, but as with Allen and Van Best, there was no conclusive proof. Now, you look at the sketch, doesn't it kind of remind you of like the sketches for like D.V. Cooper? You know, just giving like a sunglasses instead of glasses. Yeah, kind of. Wouldn't that wouldn't wouldn't that be insane? Yeah, I mean, it, you know, I look at this and I'm <laughs> like, this is what every white guy in the '60s looked like anyway. You know, just yeah. Earth angel, earth angel, won't you be mine? <laughs> like they all had that kind of Buddy Holly yeah. like look to them. Uh huh. <clears throat> I definitely think looking at the first sketch here. If you did like a older Zodiac sort of movie, like a fantasy sort of film where like the Zodiac is older and has, has retired or something and you're trying to go deeper into it, kind of like just a made up sort of work of fiction, I could totally see Michael Keaton playing the Zodiac because you could definitely see some of, of Keaton's facial features in this particular uh, um, sketch. And also, like, I mean... Wouldn't it be funny? It's like, you know, like even white guys with glasses. Don't you think of Hank Hill? <laughs> yeah, kind of. <laughs> well, they, they, yeah, they just, I don't know, man. They, Hank Hill is his own. Like, they all, like, all these, like, uh, composites or these, these sketches yeah. of these, like, old, or these, like, white guys when they were young in the 60s, they all, like, mm -hmm. totally look like old, the old white guys now. They all have, like, them, the glasses and the short buzz cut hair and it's yeah. like they literally kept the same exact look for like 70 years uh -huh. and yeah the, you know it's like it went from like well, i'll tell you what to i'll tell you what you know like it's like <laughs> probably talk the same too it's like just as they got older they i don't know can you imagine hank hill as the zodiac killer <laughs> <laughs> whoa <laughs> Uh, man. Yeah, I can't. I don't. I don't. So, I don't remember any of the Zodiac quotes, anything he actually said, or else I would do it in Hank Hill's voice, or I'd attempt to. Well, the whole thing. Remember, he tells like the guy to lay on his stomach, and you move. Yeah. I'll tell you what. I just escaped from prison, and I don't need no lip. Get on your stomach, Bobby. I don't know. <laughs> Thought that'd be funnier. Whatever. <laughs> okay. So, um. Here's some more details on some of the suspects. Robert Graysmith's book Zodiac advanced Arthur Lee Allen as a potential suspect based on circumstantial evidence. Allen had been interviewed by the police from the early days of the Zodiac investigations and was the subject of several search warrants over a 20-year period. In 2007, Graysmith noted that several police detectives noticed and described Allen as the most likely suspect. However... In 2010, Toshi stated that all of the evidence against Allen immediately turned out, ultimately turned out to be negative. On October 6, 1969, Allen was interviewed by Detective John Lynch of the Vallejo Police Department. Allen had been reported in the vicinity of the Lake Berryessa attack against Hartnell and Shepard on September 27, 1969. 
He described himself scuba diving at Salt Point on the day of the attacks. Allen again came to police attention in 1971 when his friend Donald Cheney reported the police reported to police in Manhattan Beach, California, that Allen had spoken of his desire to kill people, use the name Zodiac, and secure a flashlight to a firearm for visibility at night. According to Cheney, this conversation occurred no later than January 1st, 1969. Jack's Mo- Jack Molinax of the Vallejo Police Department subsequently wrote Allen and had received an other-than-honorable discharge from the U.S. Navy in 1958. So he says that Allen had received uh, not necessarily honorable discharge from the Navy. He had been fired from his job as an elementary school teacher in March 1968 after allegations of sexual misconduct with students. He was generally well-regarded by those who knew him, but he was also described as, as fixated on young children and angry at women. He apparently never had a girlfriend or a wife. In September 1972, San Francisco police obtained a search warrant for Allen's residence. In 1974, Allen was arrested for committing lewd sex acts upon a 12-year-old boy. He pleaded guilty and served two years imprisonment. Just two. Two years. Jesus. Vallejo police served another search warrant at Allen's residence in February of 1991. Two days after Allen's death in 1992, Vallejo police served another warrant and seized property from Allen's residence. Other evidence existed against Allen. A letter sent to the Riverside Police Department from Bates' killer was typed with a royal typewriter with an elite type, the same brand found during that February 1991 search of Allen's residence. He owned and wore a Zodiac brand wristwatch. He lived in Vallejo and worked minutes away from where one of the first victims, Farron, lived and from where one of the killings took place. In 2002, SFPD developed a partial DNA profile from the saliva on stamps and the envelopes of the Zodiac letters. SFPD compared this to partial DNA of the DNA to the DNA of Arthur Lee Allen. A DNA comparison was also made with the DNA of Don Chaney, who was Allen's former close friend and the first person to suggest, to suggest that Allen may be the Zodiac killer. Since neither test result indicated a match, Allen and Chaney were excluded as the contributors of the DNA. Although it cannot be stated definitively that it is DNA from the Zodiac on the envelopes. However, as of March 2018, it was announced that the 2002 DNA sample was collected from the outside of the stamp rather than behind it or from the envelope seal, meaning that Allen could still be a suspect. Retired police handwriting expert Lloyd Cunningham, who worked the Zodiac case for decades, added they gave me banana boxes full of Allen's writing and none of his writing even came close to the Zodiac nor did the DNA extracted from the envelopes on the Zodiac letters come close to Arthur Lee Allen. While police often use document examiners during investigations, court rulings on the scientific validity of handwriting analysis has been mixed to negative. Because wouldn't it be like just personal opinion at the end of the day? I'd like to stick my hand in your banana box. And then also... People kind of write differently, don't they? Sometimes. Uh, to throw people off, sometimes they'll write with their left hand. Or write, you know, whatever their non-dominant hand is. Yeah. Heard of that. So there's other possible suspects. In 2007, a man named Dennis Kaufman claimed that his stepfather, Jack Terrence, was a Zodiac. Kaufman turned over several items to the FBI, including a hood similar to the one worn by the Zodiac. According to news sources, DNA analysis conducted by the FBI and the items was deemed inconclusive in 2010. In 2009, a former lawyer named Robert Tarbox 
What a name. Banana box, tar box. What's up with all the boxes? Who in August 1975 was disbarred by the California Supreme Court for failure to pay some clients, said that in the early 1970s, a merchant mariner walked into his office and confessed to him that he was a Zodiac killer. The seemingly lucid seaman, whose name Tarbox could not reveal due to confidentiality, described his crimes briefly but persuasively enough to convince Tarbox. The man said he was trying to stop himself from his opportunistic murder spree, but never returned to see Tarbox again. Tarbox took a full-page ad in the Vallejo Times-Herald, and he claimed that it would clear the name of Arthur Lee Allen as a killer, his only reason for revealing the story 30 years after the fact. Robert Graysmith, the author of several books on Zodiac, said that Tarbox's story was entirely plausible. I don't know. I don't buy that the Zodiac, who would come up with all these ciphers, and was this extremely intelligent guy, was just some random guy who was, like, wandering around and did some killing and was just a seaman. I, I, I don't know. I just don't buy it. In 2009, an episode of the History Channel seri television series Mystery Quest looked at newspaper editor Richard Gakowski. During the time of the murders, Gakowski worked for Good Times, a San Francisco counterculture newspaper. His appearance resembles a composite sketch, and Nancy Slover, the Vallejo police dispatcher who was contacted by the Zodiac shortly after the Blue Rock Springs attack, has identified a recording of Gakowski's voice as being the same as the Zodiacs. Retired police detective Steve Hodel argues in his book The Black Dolly Avenger that his father, George Hill Hodel, was the Black Dahlia killer whose victims include Elizabeth Short. The book led to the release of previously suppressed files and wire recordings by Los Angeles District Attorney's Office of his father, which showed that he was a prime suspect in Short's murder. District Attorney Steve Kay subsequently wrote a letter, which is published in the revised edition, stating that if George Hodel were still, were still alive, he would be prosecuted for the crimes. In a follow-up book, Hodel argued a circumstantial case that his father was also the Zodiac Killer, based upon a police sketch. Of course. <laughs> the similarity of the style of the Zodiac letters to the Black Dolly Avenger letters and the question document examination. Now that would be quite a twist, wouldn't it? On February 19th, 2011, America's Most Wanted featured a story about the Zodiac Killer. In 2010, a picture surfaced of known Zodiac victim Darlene Farron and a man who closely resembles the composite sketch, formed based on eyewitnesses' descriptions. Commas aren't nice to my brain, apparently. Of the Zodiac <laughs> Killer. Police believe the photo was taken in San Francisco in the middle of 1966 or 67. Former California Highway Patrol officer Lyndon Lafferty said that Zodiac, the Zodiac Killer was a 91-year-old Solano County, California man whom he called by the pseudonym George Russell, Russell Tucker. Using a group of retired law enforcement officers called the Mandamus 7, Lafferty discovered Tucker and a cover-up for why he was not pursued. Tucker, quote-unquote, died in February 2012 and was not named because he was not considered a suspect by police. In February 2014, it was reported that a man named Luis Joseph Myers had confessed to a friend in, 20, uh, in 2001 uh, that he was the Zodiac <laughs> killer after learning that he was dying from cirrhosis of the liver. He requested that his friend, Randy Kenny, go to the police upon his death. Myers died in 2002, but Kenny allegedly had difficulties getting officers co to cooperate and take his claim seriously. There are several potential connections between Myers and the Zodiac case. 
Myers attended the same high school as victims David Faraday and Betty Lou Jensen. Myers allegedly worked in the same restaurant as victim Darlene Farron. Myers also had access to the same sort of military boot whose print was found in the Lake Berryessa crime scene. Furthermore, during the 1971 to 1973 period when no Zodiac letters were received, (laughs) Myers was stationed overseas with the military. Kenny says that Myers confessed he was targeted... He targeted couples because he had a bad breakup with his girlfriend. That's a weak. That's a weak theory. While officers yeah. associated with the case are skeptical, they believe the story is credible enough to investigate. Well, I don't. I think that's complete bullshit. Yeah, I agree. Oh, I For had sure. a bad breakup, so I'm gonna go kill couples all over the place. Like, and he didn't mention the ciphers or any of that. Yeah, I think. I buy the idea that the Zodiac was a highly intelligent individual, could have easily been a teacher, or a definitely uh, was a mathematician of sorts, and undeniably a sociopath, as well as a serial killer. Yeah, I mean, those, those two seem to go hand in hand sometimes, sociopaths and serial killers. So this is actually the uh, 408-symbol cipher uh, of the Zodiacs, from the Zodiacs letters. Now, the final 18 letters have yet to be determined. We still don't know what they are. I like killing people because it is so much fun, and it is more fun than killing wild game in the forest, because man is the most dangerous animal of all. To kill something gives me the most thrilling experience. It is even better than getting your rocks off with a girl. And the best part of it is that when you die, when I die, I will be reborn in paradise. And that I will, and that those that I have killed will become my slaves. And I will not give you my name because you will try to slow down or atop my, see, see, there's like some, it's like spelled wrong. So I guess it was spelled wrong on purpose. Like he just had this sort of thing. And like, it was just like weird. Like, like for example, Dangerous is spelled wrong. Animal is spelled wrong. Paradise is spelled wrong. And those that I those I have killed will become my slaves. And I will not give you my name because you will try to sloy down or atop my collectog of slaves for my afterlife. You maybe catalog instead of collectog, <laughs> or just collection. So either somebody on Wikipedia misspelled shit or or just. Honestly, but it contained a misspelled message, so it already had misspellings. Uh, so this is legit. Beavis, uh, I don't like think it works that way. Uh-huh. Like, I don't think you can like kill people and you go to like paradise or something with a bunch of virgins. Uh, yeah, that'd be cool if it did work that way, though. Shut up, Beavis. No one's talking to you, butt munch. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I don't. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't. I I don't know if that that happens that way. I mean, I know the. Uh... Now that I actually see this decipher, like this actual, they've deciphered it. It, it like makes the zodiac seem like even less brilliant to me. It's, it's just kind of just crazy random ramblings, almost like, like a... he managed to decide. He, he he has a he has a knowledge of like making things hard to figure out or making it so you have to decode a message but like 
this? Like the this is a kind of isn't this the same thing that some terrorists do? Zodiac was like, Zodiac was the first these uh, people. He, he was the first chat bot like but the real life incarnation <laughs> just generating random speech like text <laughs> text to speech generator. Maybe that's what it was. It sounds like the motherfucker was using voice to text on a fucking iPhone and that's how he came up with it cuz that's how about how fucking accurate iPhones are with their voice to text recognition. <laughs> Well, the only way he could have done that is if he had a time machine also. Oh, no, it was aliens. Aliens. They uh, <laughs> gave him the technology. I could I could totally see that, that guy. That should have... Like, Zodiac killer. Yeah, he was actually an alien. I'm, I'm, why hasn't ancient <laughs> aliens... I'm sure they have. I know I'm asking, like, you know, why haven't they... I'm sure they actually have done an episode about how the Zodiac killer was actually an alien. And actually, we have proof that aliens gave Zodiac an iPhone and he used voice-to-text <laughs> recognition to come up with the ciphers. And those astrological symbols were put there by aliens. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Giorgio Sokolos. <laughs> So I really don't know what else to say about the Zodiac case, um, except I hope you found this to be entertaining, um, and uh, definitely want to hear your thoughts on Zodiac. Like, who do you think did it? Like, I don't really know. For I'm leaning towards Arthur Lee Allen. I really am, even though Toshi or Tashi, he said that no. Uh, in 2010, he said that all the evidence turned out to be negative. Think about this from Toshi's perspective. This is a guy who was in the middle of this case. He was responsible for trying to find this guy. He wasn't able to find him. He wasn't able to catch him. He wasn't able to capture him. If he, if, it, if he already had him in his custody and was he was already right there in front of him, and he let him go, he would honestly have all. He would want to be like, it wasn't him. Some cops are like that. They're like, they're just like, well, I'd rather say that this very likely suspect, Jonathan Lee Allen, who is uh, Arthur Lee Allen, who is right there. I had him and I let him go. Despite some of the evidence that says that he could be the prime suspect, I'm going to say no. All the evidence was, was negative. Because you don't want to look bad. You want to look like, yeah, I let the Zodiac killer go. You know, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I kind of zoned out when you're reading all the suspects and stuff, so I don't know <laughs> have a whole lot of input on who I think it is. I have I, I have a hard time concentrating. <laughs> I can't help it. I guess it's true, Mike. Mike. Um, I don't know. I mean, like I said, the random nature, the fact that there there wasn't really much of a motive. I mean, even Unabomber had more of a motive than Zodiac did. You know, it seemed like Unabomber really hated, you know, technology, technology and the establishment and all that. Zodiac. Zodiac was just fucking with Yeah, he's just fucking with, like, you know, it, it's almost like the whole, like, him not liking women thing, though, that does kind of stick out to me because, like, his only vic, well, not, aside from the cab driver, uh, the only victims who 
really died were like the women. So I wonder if he took extra care to make sure the women died and the men, you know. Well, then you had the suspected, uh, like in in the film Zodiac, there's this one. I think it was a gal who like he picked up in the car and almost killed or let her go or something. Um, or it might have been a, a guy. I I kind of I haven't seen the film in a while, but that was a pretty tense exchange. Um. Yeah, it's one of those things that there are a lot of suspects, and that's going to happen with these type of cases. It's infamous. The Zodiac Killer is infinite, infamous. And there's going to be a lot of people who, like, before they die, they might be like, well, I was a Zodiac, or or my brother was a Zodiac, or my dad was a Zodiac. You're, you're going to get that. So I, I think that... I don't, I don't think we'll ever solve this case. It's like Jack the Ripper. It's just it's just it was at a time when there wasn't really enough forensic, like you said, like forensic advancements in terms of forensic technology to really be able to do like DNA testing then and there. Yeah, right. Which they they had talked about in the documentary that if they if if forensics of nowadays had been at that first crime scene, um, you know, they wouldn't have spent a few hours there. They would have spent 24 hours there taking earth, exactly. earth samples, taking fiber samples, any kind of hair or follicle samples. You uh-huh. know, they would have done a lot better job because they have better technology now than they did back in 1960, you know, whatever, 68. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's all I pretty much all I have to say about, too. Well, I mean, Arthur Lee Allen also, he ties into the whole not liking women, like you were saying. Yeah. Not, you know, does not like women. Had a bad uh, relationship. Then, too, you got to wonder about um, what the first woman who was killed in the makeout point or whatever, um, what she was saying um, to the survivor, uh, Mike, about how, mm-hmm. you know... Mike was dating her, but she was married, and he and and the guy she was married to knew about it. I mean, unless he's a guy who's like a, a cuck who gets off to like other dudes screwing his wife. I mean, makes me think he's not gonna just sit back and be like, "Yeah, that's cool. Go ahead and hang out with my wife and bang her at some makeout point." Would you ever drive out to me to a lover's lane, Mike, and just listen to AOR? <laughs> You? I don't know. I don't think we do it a lover's lane. That'd be pretty weird. I mean, we don't have to, like, we can just listen to music. I mean, just hang out. Hang out somewhere else? <laughs> you know, that'd just be so weird. You drive up to lover's lane just to listen to music with your friend. What? Yeah, <laughs> and I might put my hand on your leg. <laughs> would you bro... It's not that kind of friend... It's not that kind of friendship. Would Josh. you would you brush my hand off it, and, we're, we're, and not... We, we, are, we are not friends with benefits. Oh. Uh, but if that did happen, though, Mike, if I did, if we were at Lover's Lane, I put my hand on your leg, would you brush my hand off casually and, like, act like it didn't happen and just continue with the conversation? Or would you be like, no, no, no I'd be like, dude, what the fuck? <laughs> I could just see me putting my hand on your leg and you instantly just turning music off and going, dude, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. yeah, anyway, um... Yeah, that ties into it. Like, dude, what the fuck? Like, who the fuck was the Zodiac? We don't really know for sure. Never will. Uh, and I would argue that just like D.V. Cooper, he's dead. Yeah, absolutely, he's dead. If if he's not dead, he's too fucking old to even hold a gun up to shoot anyone else. 
All right, so we have a, uh, before we go here, uh, we have a, a, a true story that really happened from one of our Patreon supporters. Um, and you could support us on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash uncovering unexplained mysteries. Um, and this is one of our series of, um, you know, you contribute a certain amount of money and you can confide a secret in, in to me. You can tell me a deep, dark secret. And the only kind of messed up part is I don't keep it to myself. I tell everybody on the podcast your secret. And for some reason, people keep telling me secrets, knowing it good and goddamn well that I'm going to tell everybody. Uh, but here it goes. And um, the, we're going to be listening to Studio Crafty's um, true story that they told me. Um, and, and, you know, I'm an open-minded guy, and I know that that names what's in a name as as shakespeare once said don't don't fact check that shakespeare did say it um you know so studio crafty it's a fine name whatever so uh so just a little backstory here studio crafty was a cop from new york city who was on their way to los angeles to see their uh their kids and their wife holly who moved to L.A. because of a job at the Nakatomi Corporation. When Studio Crafty arrived at Nakatomi Plaza, they meet Holly's boss, Joe Takagi, and her co-worker, Harry Ellis. So he and Holly go into a private bathroom and get into an argument. When Holly leaves to give a speech, 13 armed terrorists led by someone named Hans Gruber seize control of the building and take the occupants of the 30th floor, who are the only ones left in the building, hostage. Luckily, though, they missed Studio Crafty. And Studio Crafty has to figure out how to save the hostages before the terrorists get away. Now, I don't know what happened after that, but wow, that was a harrowing tale, Studio Crafty. And I, I'm guessing since you were able to donate to our Patreon slush fund uh, to get Mike elected to state Senate, um, I'm, I'm guessing you made it out alive. So good for you. Anyway, um, if you would like to join our group, it's Uncovering Explained Mysteries, like the Facebook page. Please give us... Did he like to say, uh, yippee motherfucker? Uh, I don't know what you're talking about, Mike. <laughs> I have no idea. That was, one, that was the most random thing you've said this whole podcast. Kind of weird. Yes, please give us a rating on iTunes if you haven't already. That really helps um, push our podcast out in front of more people. I guess I can just go ahead and let you guys in on something that we're working on here or I'm working on. Um, we have a sponsor, well, that I've been talking to that uh, they are interested in our podcast, but we have to raise our listenership up to, I think they want, I think they want us between like a six and 8,000 listener a week window. We're at like 4,200 a week right now. Which isn't bad by any means, but, you know, all the sponsors, they don't really start kicking in hardcore till you get to like 10K listeners a week. So if you could rate our podcast, that will, I think, you know, shoot it into other people's faces 
in the meantime, if you're any kind of ad or marketing person out there and you have any ideas on how we can market our podcast to uh, reach a wider audience, please let us know. Until then, you can check out me and Mike separately, but oh so equally, on the YouTubes. YouTube is a popular video website for watching. You can find Mike's YouTube channel, which is a collection of all his videos on one page, by going to youtube.com slash OCP communications. He is a movie guy. He reviews movies. Mike, what was the last movie you talked about? Searching. This is a fairly new film. It came out this year. It takes place, uh, for the most part, almost entirely from the perspective of someone on a computer. So you see a lot of uh, Windows and MacBooks and, and YouTube, old and new, and and different social media platforms and stuff like that. And it's and, and it's actually a really terrific thriller. It's uh, got John Cho who was uh, Harold in the Harold and Kumar films. Okay. Liked that liked that movie. Didn't like the second one. Loved the first one. And he plays a father who's trying to find his missing daughter. And then there's always different twists and turns that, that uh, end up happening along the way uh, while he's trying to search for his uh, missing daughter and also trying to piece together what happened and also realizing that he doesn't know his daughter as well as he thought he did. So, um, great performance by him. Uh, really a technical marvel considering that, like I said, the majority of the film just takes place as if you were watching a screen recording of multiple different moments of somebody just going on their computer. And it actually works really well. So I, I, I cannot recommend it enough. I think it comes out in November on home video. Oh, there might be some delays because... The last manufacturing uh, plant in the United States that manufactured DVDs and Blu-rays shut down randomly out of the blue in, I, I think, the past week or so. So it's caused a lot of these studios to, like, mad scramble dash to try to find uh, manufacturing plants overseas to do their work. And Didn't we talk about this last week, ones- like the quality control thing? Yeah, but it, it's it's one of those things where yeah, there's quality control, and then it's just this mad dash. So like, it might be in, out of November, and it might not. It probably will be available on streaming either around then or before. So I do recommend that one. Uh, and yeah, so that's the last one that I did. Very nice on my channel. Um, if you want to check out my channel, it is YouTube.com/slash Dancing with Ghosts. I do all kinds of videos. Um, I think I've put out two fucking videos or three videos in the span of uh, our last podcast. Uh, I put out a taste testing of Swedish food that Jade sent me from Sweden. Thank you, Jade. Uh, me and my bandmate Stephanie taste tested it. Um, they have a disgusting um, candy called uh, Jungelfrau, <laughs> which is the salt, which is a a ammonia salted licorice. It's just as disgusting as you could imagine. I we try that in the video. They have some good candy too, for sure. Um, doesn't compare to Canada's snacks. Canada has the best snacks so far of any country I've tried. Um, then the video I did after that was I I compared uh, or I talked about that weird time in Prague Rock. 
where 1970s prog rock transitioned into the... I really like that video, Yeah, too, it transitioned to the 1980s, and things got really weird, like Pink Floyd and Rush, and yes, they all went pop in the 80s, but in a good way. I actually quite enjoyed their 80s stuff. I mean, one of my favorite, like... Honestly, my favorite Yes song is Owner of a Lonely Heart. So I've been listening to their album 90215 or whatever it's called, 90125, uh -huh. um, their eight, 1983 album. And um, I always said I didn't really like Yes that much or, or I didn't care for them. But now I'm listening to their, like, their 80s shit. And I'm like, well, not Big Generator. That album sucks. But um, that, that uh, 90125 album is really good. Um, and then my most recent video, to whet your appetite even more, um, I go over Roseanne Barr and her horrific appearance on the Joe Rogan podcast and yeah. how I just felt like that was... Was that a recent one or, or right after what happened? No, that, that was pretty recent. That was like a week ago that she appeared on the... Because she actually did come on his podcast soon after what happened and was saying the ambient stuff then. Uh, I don't believe... No, I don't believe so. They were talking about her um want, they were wanting her to come on the podcast but she oh, didn't okay so joe just mentioned joe just mentioned yeah, he it mentioned that she it. tweeted him yeah, or something yeah. Yeah. yeah that's what happened but she didn't actually make an appearance until about a week ago and man she couldn't have come off more doped up and out of her fucking gourd some of the shit she was talking about i, I think she's just mentally ill really yeah, she's something, man. I don't know. I I think that I think she's a burnout. I think she's just done a lot of, you know, pills or drank drank a lot of alcohol and killed a lot of them brain cells cuz I mean, she at points seems like she's got it together, but then at other points, like she's talking to Joe Rogan and and she's like, you know, and everybody knows by now what the what the Roseanne tweet was about her saying that a Muslim Brotherhood and Planet of the Apes equals Valerie Jarrett or whatever. And she was saying how she's like, I love she's like, that's why I I love all cultures, because they all have food that I enjoy. And, you know, that's why I keep a bunch of different people in my life, because I love a free meal. And she wasn't being like Andy Kaufman level, like, let me go and throw this interview on purpose just to no. subvert, you know, people or Bill Burr. Yeah, like she wasn't doing that. She was legit, like she was being genuine in her insanity. And so I just kind of go over that, how she kind of blew a perfectly yeah. good opportunity to... I've also watched, I've also watched uh, the two episodes of the new spinoff series, uh, The Connors, without her. What'd you think? And I, I actually don't mind it. I actually think it's a little bit better without her. Really? <laughs> I mean, I've just been one of those people that... I always like the supporting cast in that show better than Roseanne anyway. And I know there's people who think she was the show and so on and so forth. But for me, if it was just her and there was no John Goodman, there was no none of the other cast members. I don't think that show would have been as successful as Hell it was. No. Yeah, I think I liked I think I like the supporting cast better as well. And uh, I think uh, the actress who plays Darlene does a good job replacing her snark and her wit. And uh, Roseanne did it to herself. Whether or not it was, quote, racist or not, doesn't matter. You don't say that kind of stuff under contract with a company that is owned by Wait, Disney. Wait, you said replace it. You, you So Melissa Gilbert did not reprise her role as Darlene in the Connors? 
She did. She did. Uh, yeah, oh, she okay. did. Because you said. Oh, I was just. I, I was saying that she did a great job replacing Roseanne in 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 you know in in the new series so far because she has the same you know good wit and smart. Oh, I got you. And so okay. on and so forth. Um, but with Roseanne herself, she just fucked up. Like she's just. She was so used to saying whatever the hell she wanted to on Twitter or anything and not getting any repercussions. She didn't think about how. Throwing barbs at politicians or other shit or other people, anybody, while under contract with, with a company that is owned by Disney. Well, she did not think that that was gonna backfire. In the on Joe her. Rogan and podcast, she she happened. goes on to explain about she used the Planet of the Apes reference in talking about what happens in the Planet of the Apes, not that they were apes. And she's saying Valerie Jarrett. Oh, that's not true. She said she's she was comparing it because of what Valerie Jarrett was supporting in Iran or something with the women's movement. And she was talking. If you were doing that, then you needed to explain that. Better. Yeah, ex exactly. This exactly. That's why that's why it was such a completely tone deaf comment, because you it's like dude roseanne you're you've been on the inter internet you know how it works it's no excuse like like i have to like say if i if i'm writing a video a script for a video i might have a phrase or something that i'm not meaning it to be offensive but it might be of something that like it might be offensive you know if i don't clarify like what i'm talking about like you know, it might be a regional set slang that mm -hmm. that in in where i'm from it it's completely innocuous but to other people, it sounds like awful, you know, whatever. And, you know, to sit there and be in into automatic, especially the, the Twitter verse, you know, to expect that whole world of people to automatically take what you said the exact way you intended it by 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 saying Planet of the Apes and the Muslim Brotherhood equal Valerie Jarrett or whatever. It's like, you got to clarify that what you mean by that fucking statement, which I don't know if she went on to clarify it. I think she might have went on to clarify it, but it was kind of like, dude, you just wording it like that. It's like you the damage had already been done. And I'm not jumping on like either side of that, like what I thought she meant by it or whatever, because I don't fucking know. I'm not in her head. Uh, I don't think that a stand up comedian who had a number one hit show in the 90s would be dumb enough to just say something like outright that racist on Twitter. But then again, Michael Richards, who played Kramer, you know, had a meltdown at the Laugh Factory and started busting out the N-word and shouting it at some uh, black audience members. So anything's yeah. possible, I guess, if you're on enough fucking shit. Or I, I don't think Michael Richards was on anything. I think he was just that shit was just inside him, apparently. Anyway, if you want to look at my channel and look at all that shit, youtube.com slash Dancing with Ghosts. Uh, that's all, we all the time we have for this week. Hopefully, we can get in a Halloween episode before or, at or during Halloween or something, although we might not be able to, but whatever. This one's scary enough for you. So uh, until next time, have a good rest of your night or day. Goodbye. See ya. What's up, everybody? Just want to remind everyone that my album, The Nightmare Inside You, is still up for sale. And we have new band t-shirts as well. All of this is in the description of this podcast. So check it out. And if you dig the music, maybe consider supporting me. Now enjoy some more of the album.
So yeah, before we started recording, we were um, me and Mike were trying to figure out which was the worst uh, cliche pop voice for which decade. So in the eighties, you know, we had the "Don't you forget about me." You know, every male pop vocalist had this. I wouldn't say everyone, but a good amount of Most them of in them. that era, in like in the mid eighties, around that time when that kind of music yeah, like was the 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 new romantic movement, if you will. That was or a new very, wave. No, it's new wave's different than new romantic. New romantic mm-hmm. is like. Uh, you spin me right round, babe, and all that shit. Yeah, like, that's or all... uh, I just stayed in your yeah. arms tonight. Exactly. So must wh- have been something you said. So is it that voice, or is it the '90s Eddie Vedder yarling voice, where everyone was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." yeah the Eddie Vedder one's yeah. more annoying to me. So he sounds like a fucking uh, donkey or something. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I don't like Pearl Jam. Like, I don't, I don't really. Pearl Jam's one of those bands where they have a few songs that I really do like, but like, I I feel like they are overhyped out the ass. Yeah, like they have their own fucking Sirius XM radio station channel because I have Sirius XM, uh-huh. and it just it it's like. It just plays Pearl Jam all the time. That's the name of the channel. It's called Pearl Jam. You're not going to hear anything else. But yeah. And and it's like playing like their deep cuts from like, you know, a concert in 2002. And I'm like, dude, are there really Pearl Jam fans out there who are that fucking rabid? Probably. I mean, the only song I can think of is Jeremy, right? Oh, you know, you know at least a dozen of their songs. They have even flow, and then you got sheets of empty passing, metal sheets of clay. Ooh, <laughs> and all I wanted was everything, and now my bed. Sandler, I think he played. Eddie Vedder in like a parody of We Are the World. Oh, he did a he did a pretty SNL. funny Eddie Vedder. That was one yeah. of the that was one of the uh It was pretty funny. It wasn't really funny. It was okay. But no, they had a bunch of hits. Uh the only Pearl Jam song. The only Pearl Jam song that I really liked, like their best song, was a song called uh Do the Evolution. It was uh-huh. it was off their 1997 album Yield. And that's that's a really good song. Yeah. And there, what what's so great about that song is it sounds nothing like Pearl Jam. <laughs> like, well, Eddie Vedder, it, it's like his his singing style then started to get copied by other singers right. who were singing the same sort of thing. Yeah. It was that. And, it was that white guy, faux, soulful. Like that was the the interpretation of white guy soul in the 90s was singing mm-hmm. like that. Well, he also had that in the 80s of Michael McDonald and some of those other guys, you know. Yeah, but that own, was like, that was a bit version. more genuine, though. Like, that's actually how that motherfucker sings. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you can't... I mean, you can't... And then the stuff in the 80s, too. I mean, yeah. I mean, Billy Idol and, and, and the guy who sang 
I wear my sunglasses at night. I think it's Corey is his first Co- name. Yeah, like, Corey Hart. I wear my sunglasses at night so I can, so I can. Yeah, but that's more in line with uh, the that that new romantic voice that yeah. I'm talking about. That put the visions in my eyes. Yeah, like that's yeah. more that cliche which I, I literally don't know which one's worse they both annoy me so much I, uh, for me i can handle new romantic any day of the week over over eddie vedder's donkey singing because that's what it sounds like well and that's, it's, it's not just eddie vedder there was yeah. like uh, there was like stone temple pilots there was well, yeah. then there was all those like post grunge bands like days yeah. of the new and bush and uh-huh. um uh nickelback and creed and the, you know, they all had, oh, they were all creed. influenced by that in some way or another. Fucking Nickelback. Look at this photograph! <laughs> you know, oh, man. Another, another hot take here, but I don't think Nickelback's the worst. I don't think they're the worst either, but that song sucks. I can't stand that song. Yeah, I mean, the fact that everyone wants to zero in on that song, it's kind of unfair. That's like taking, like, Phil I Co- like their. They did a song that actually was the theme song for Monday Night Raw for a bit called I think it's called Burn It Down. Yeah, I, I mean, like I, I and I saw a live DVD of them a long time ago, and dude, they are a solid ass band live. I mean, I don't really like their songs, but from a musician perspective, I could look at them mm-hmm. and go like, "Wow, they're like hitting their harmonies right on. The music's super tight." I'll take Nickelback over Creed. I don't know, man. Creed's first album was pretty damn good. Um. Uh, no, it wasn't Human Clay. It was um. Was I just, it? I just, I'm not just not a fan of their their style, and I'm not a fan of you know the pseudo Christian rock thing. Oh, I'm do, not either. So. I'm not either. But if you listen to that song, My Own Prison, that's that's a pretty good song. That was like their first song they ever came out with when they you know before they yeah. before Scott's uh <laughs> Stipe or whatever it's decided he was uh. It's going to be like Christ or something. Yeah, before he started believing his own (laughs) bullshit, back when he was still a little bit humble, you know? Like, their their first album was okay for, you know... I noticed a lot of bad Christian rock has that sort of similar sort of thing, too. Couldn't tell you, Mike, I stopped uh, listening to Christian rock... Eddie Vedder... uh, 20-something years ago. Soulful thing. Oh, (laughs) no, I I know what you're talking... Well, what I've noticed in Christian rock is... Uh, and this is this is more relegated to like praise and worshipy kind of bands. Yeah, they do this the breathiest fucking singing. It's it's literally like I found God when I was searching. That sounds creepy. It's like does Jesus just love maximum amount of breath coming out of your body? Does that denote like your? Does, does every uh, uh, Christian rock singer need to sound like they're a a complete and utter pervert or a fucking <laughs> serial killer or some shit? Like they're I whispering mean, right in your ear when you listen to them with headphones on. Like meet me after church behind the playground. I'll show you my Holy Spirit. <laughs> yeah, I hate that shit. There's so many Christian bands that sing in that uber, like, whispery, breathy vocal. And it's like, it's like, are you going to go to, like, a higher spot in heaven because you did that? Because you sang like that? And, like, <laughs> bands like Skillet and other Christian rock bands, they're not going to go 
as high into heaven because you didn't. Because I actually don't mind Skillet. Skillet's a Christian rock band that's not like a lot of their songs aren't like overly religious, which I think is why they actually have cross-platform success. Is because they're not just considered a Christian rock band by a lot of people because of the fact that their music isn't just saying Jesus over and over again or Christ or whatever, like a lot of these other Christian rock. Yeah, it's fucking annoying, dude. It's like, dude, we get it. You love God a lot. Like, I get that. I get you said it like 500 times and it's only the (laughs) second song. It must be so easy to write lyrics for too. Just like, God, 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 God. Love, loving Jesus. Da, 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 da. <laughs> yeah, like, like at least, at least like the like, South Park, uh, the South Park uh, episode where uh, Cartman starts a Christian rock band or whatever. Yeah, yeah uh, a good electronic, a <laughs> uh, good Christian electronic band out there who emphasizes the musicianship and creativity before they do shoving their message down your throat is a band called Joy Electric. They're uh, okay. they're actually a really legit like synth pop band, but oh cool! They do have some cheese ball songs. Like they have a song called "Children of the Lord." I almost did an episode of Shittios on that music video because <laughs> that music video is so fucking cringy and it's for real. Um, so look up "Children of the Lord" by Joy Electric if you want a big old fucking belly laugh. Uh, it's 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 the most cliche. G- g- I really need to revive Shittios because I didn't give yes, it. I didn't give it. I liked it. I didn't give it enough of a chance. Like, and there's so many bad music videos I want to like just tear into. Yeah, it was just I. I don't know. I, I was lazy at the time. I was like, this is too much work, man. Fuck this. I need to find a better <laughs> way to do commentary over it and whatever. Anyway, let's get into this shit. Some good B-roll <laughs> here. It's like a fucking. This could be a Patreon bonus segment. <laughs> <laughs> so lazy like <laughs> make them pay for it god damn it if they want to hear our inane ramblings um <laughs>